pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. chapter 11. I want to continue talking about the precious blood of Jesus. Last week we talked about a token, uh, the blood being a token, a sign, and uh, I guess we'll call this a token part two. Still talking about the blood of Jesus. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but last week we talked about uh, the blood protecting us or the children of Israel from judgment. Judgment was coming upon the land. Amen. And today we're going to talk about another judgment that came upon the land. And again, a token of the blood saved a certain party from judgment. And how many know judgment is coming upon this land? It already is. And I wonder if that same token can save us from judgment. You know, uh, the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. It should start here. We should judge ourselves here yes, before right. God judges them out there. Yes. Amen? But in Hebrews chapter 11, we have what is called by some Bible scholars the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, Mark Hankins calls it the uh, recipients of the Academy Awards of Faith. Isn't that good? The recipients of the Academy Awards of Faith. If we had an Academy Awards for the for faith, we would have a whole line of people come out of chapter 11 here to receive that award. But in this chapter, it also tells us the importance of faith. It tells us that without faith, uh, Hebrews 11:6, it is impossible to please God, and they that come to him must believe that he is God and that he rewards them that diligently seek him. How about the one that casually seeks him every other weekend? Or when they get in trouble, they throw up a popcorn prayer. How about him? Is he going to be rewarded? But it's by faith that we believe God exists, and it's by faith that we believe he's a rewarder of them that seek him. But let's look at some of these Hall of Famers these recipients of the Academy Awards of Faith. In Hebrews 11, 1, it starts out by telling us what I believe faith does. I know a lot of people believe this is what faith is, but I think this is what faith does. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, not yesterday's faith, not next week's faith, but now faith. Now faith is the substance or the undergirding of things that we hope for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith gives substance to the things that we hope for, the things that we can't see. And once it gives substance to these things, it means that we can see them. Yeah. You can't see things that don't have substance. Things without substance don't cast shadows. Remember that? You have to have substance in order to cast a shadow. 
And so we don't see things that don't have substance. And then verse 2 says, For by it, faith, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report or a good outcome, good results. Verse 3 says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So it's through faith that we understand that the words, uh, that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke the worlds, not world, but worlds, plural, into existence with his word. And the only way we can understand that is by faith. Yes. Were you here when it happened? Did you witness it when it happened? No. All we have to go on is what God tells us. We have the word to go on. And by that word that he gives us by the Bible, what we read in the Bible, we have an understanding of how the worlds were made, how things come together. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why faith is so important. Most of this Bible, you can't uh, uh, believe because if you walk by sight, not by faith, you won't be able to believe, I say even more, 99% of the Bible because you didn't witness none of it. You didn't see any of these things happen. Right. Right. I believe every miracle that Jesus performed when he walked this earth, why? By faith. I wasn't here. I didn't see him. I don't see any evidence of it. But he said he did. So I believe it. That's faith. That's why faith is necessary. Or we wouldn't believe anything in this Bible. Then it goes on to list the members of this Faith Hall of Fame, the recipients of the Academy Awards of Faith. I'm just going to paraphrase it, but by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Enoch was noted for faith because he walked with God every day. He fellowshiped with God every day. This is after the garden. Yeah. This is after Adam experienced that. But, you know, Adam sinned and it broke that fellowship. But Enoch walked with God every day. How? By faith. Yes. By faith, Enoch walked with God the same way that we walk with God. I've experienced God these last few months in the morning times in my prayer like I've never experienced him before. You know why? Because I was really diligently seeking him. I've always sought him, but I think I'm more diligent at it now, and I have experiences with God that I never had before. Enoch walked with God, and one day, he just kept right on walking, and he walked right into heaven with God. Yes. He probably opened his eyes and said, hey, I'm in heaven with you. God says, yeah, I'm glad you noticed that. He said, instead of stopping, you kept going this time, and you wound up in heaven. And because of that, you can stay here, Enoch, because you'll never have to taste of death. All of that by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark. Why does that take so much faith? Because Noah never seen rain. And yet he's building a boat. No wonder people thought he was crazy. It didn't rain then. The, the, the ground was watered from beneath. The ground just come up in water. And, and so uh, Noah built that ark by faith. 
And that's why he's here. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should have after received for an inheritance, he obeyed. He heard some words, and he the word says, this is God, and this is what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to go. Go where? Just go. Go when? Just go. What should I take with? Just go. That's the only word he got was go. And on that word, he went. Why? By faith. Yeah. By faith in that word to go. And then God, step by step, gave him directions and told him what to do. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Sarah's way beyond the childbearing age. And when God first told Abraham that he was going to give him a child, uh, the Bible says that Abraham, uh, Sarah was in the door of the tent. She heard him and she laughed. And God said, what are you laughing about? She said, I didn't laugh. Why did God say she didn't laugh? And everybody thinks that she was faithless. But Abraham not only laughed, but he rolled around on the ground and laughed. Read it for yourself. What, what do they call that on Facebook? R-O-L and rolling on something. Laughing and rolling or whatever, you know, the initials they give you. That's what he did. Rolling on the ground laughing. But they both come to a place where they can believe God. She's 99, he's over 100. No way they're uh, within the childbearing age, but that don't make any difference to God. And somewhere along the line, they develop what faith in what God said. And she conceived, had a son. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses, by faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, by faith, by faith, by faith, over 20 times in this chapter, uh, 11 chapter of Hebrews, it says by faith or through faith, over 20 times. No wonder it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. But all of the names mentioned here are definitely here because of their faith. That's the only reason they're here. Every one of their names are written here because they believed in God's existence and they believed that God was a rewarder of those that diligently seeked him. Yes. How? With their faith. I can't see God. I can't seek him with my sight. I can't seek him with my knowledge or my mind. I have to seek him by faith in the spirit because God is a spirit. Yeah. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I skipped over one particular person here who demonstrated extraordinary faith. And I reason, the reason I skipped over is because I want to use this person and her faith is the subject of my mes message today. Her name is Rahab, and she was a harlot, a lady of the evening, a hooker. 
she was a, you get the idea. She ran a house of ill repute. She was the madam of this house. And in Hebrews 11, 30 through 31, it gives an account of Rahab the harlot. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Seven. That's an interesting number. We won't get into, into it today, but it has a lot to do with completion. At the end of seven, something happens. We talked about seven days, 7,000 years. At the end of that seven, something's going to be complete. Something's going to happen. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe, who did not have faith. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now, I want to read something uh, uh, amazing concerning the lineage of Jesus Christ, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the genealogy of the fleshly part of Jesus. How many knows he was all man and all God? And in order to fulfill prophecy, he had to possess both the fleshly throne of David and the heavenly throne of his father God. So he has two genealogies. This one here in Matthew is the genealogy of his fleshly uh, lineage, his uh, lineage to the throne of David, which he will sit on in Jerusalem for the thousand-year reign. That's why he had to qualify for that throne. So in the book of the genealogy or the lineage of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, in the book of the genealogy or the lineage of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is a fleshly stuff. Verse 2, Abraham begot or birthed Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. So whenever they mention a man, it's a begot or a beget. But when they mention the woman that he beget with, they say by, by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenadab, and Amenadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Rahab married Boaz. Boaz begot Obed and Ruth. O, or by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David and his brothers and so on and so forth. And so it ends in verse 16 with this. It says, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So his lineage ends with Joseph who by Mary birthed Jesus Christ or begot Jesus Christ. He didn't actually, the Holy Ghost, you understand, it was an immaculate conception, but Joseph was considered the father, legal father 
of Jesus, earthly father of Jesus. And then the other genealogy, I think it's in Luke, it ends with, and so and so and so and so, and Adam, who was the son of God, that was his claim to the heavenly throne. This is his claim to the earthly throne. But anyway, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, God's son, the savior of the world, came from a lineage that included a harlot by the name of Rahab. Now, if I was setting up Christ to come into the earth, Rahab wouldn't have been in my lineage. I would have picked the finest. I would have picked the, the, the pedigrees. I would have picked the best of the crop to bring my son Jesus into the earth. It would have been through the best lineage I could find. You know, it's like racehorses. Their lineage is everything. It determines the value. It determines how that horse is going to be viewed, how that horse is going to be esteemed, what his price is going to be. It, it, it has everything to do with stature. But here, God takes a prostitute and puts her in the lineage of Jesus. Jesus' uh, earthly blood, had he been born of a man instead of the Holy Ghost, it would have had prostitute blood in it. Hallelujah. So why am I saying all this? Why am I emphasizing this? Because you can't tell me God doesn't use who he wants to use. If he can use this old Dago boy from the streets of Chicago, he can use anybody. If he can use a woman at the well that had five husbands, he can use you. Amen. God determines who he's going to use. And he doesn't go according to your lineage. He doesn't go according to your pedigree. He don't care where you came from, what side of the tracks you lived on. God chooses who he's going to use by what's in your heart. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If he can use David and make him a king who was a murderer and an adulteress, he can use you. Amen. If he can use a playboy like Samson who laid his head in Delilah's lap, he can use you. Yes. He can use me. Don't ever think yourself unworthy to be used by God. God will use who he will. He'll take the foolish things of this world and confound the wise with them. Yes. See, I'd have been wise because I would have wisely chosen who was going to be in the lineage of my son. And if I did that and God granted my request, I wouldn't be in the lineage of my son. Because I don't qualify. But thank God he doesn't look at uh, the outside appearance. Thank God he doesn't look at your past and determine what your future is going to be from your past. God took care of their past so that he could use them in the future. People think God can't use them because they have an ugly past. Who doesn't have an ugly past? God took care of your past so he could use you right now. Yes. He can use you in this church. He can use you in the streets of ministry. He can use you to, in the gifts of the spirit. God can use who he wants to use. Yes. It's up to us. Amen. Now, I'm not giving you a pass to sin. God doesn't respect sin. God doesn't want us to sin, but he doesn't let that determine who he's going to use and how he's going to use them. Amen. And when God starts using somebody, 
they'll straighten out their sin. Rahab had an ugly past. She was a Canaanite, and her religion was centered and focused on sex because the religion of the Canaanites focused on fertility. They would have orgies. They had, they had temples with, uh, where they employed temple prostitutes, and they would have orgies in the temple to please the gods of fertility so that they would bless them with fertile land and, and fertility and having children and bless their cattle so they'd be fertile and all of that. And then they would turn around and sacrifice the babies that God gave them on the fires of Molech, another demon god that they worship. You talk about an ugly past. Rahab had an ugly past. Yes. In addition, I ain't even going to get into that. But anyway, as a result of some of the things that they did, you wouldn't believe it if I told you, but as a result of some of the things that they did, God judged them. These type of people were throughout the promised land. And God told Israel, go in and possess that land. I have already given it to you. And when you go in there, he says, annihilate, wipe out. Genocide. Everybody you come in contact with. Spare no one. Well, that's mean. No, it's not mean. All they were doing were having children and populating hell with them. That was an act of mercy. But God judged the land. And Israel's going through it. And they're conquering all the uh, Amorites and Amalekites and all the kingdoms that they come in contact with. They are totally and utterly defeating them and taking their land and taking their spoils. Now they come to the Jordan River, and on the other side of the Jordan is Jericho. Yeah. One of the biggest cities in the country. One of the biggest cities and most evil and wicked cities in the promised land. And God says, go in there and destroy it. I've already given it to you. And he wanted that land, that city raised. He said, he said, and, and, and when you're done, it's going to be cursed. And no one's going to rebuild it. That's how bad it was. That's how wicked it was. And Rahab uh, was part of that group of people that was going to be judged. He was going to execute judgment upon her and the entire society that she lived in. It was even more dangerous for her because she lived in a house that was on top of the wall. Her kids played on top of the wall, the wall that God said was going to come crumbling down to the ground and lay flat. She lived on that wall. Her house was on that wall. So Rahab's faith is the, it was in the power of the blood. That's why she's in the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, her faith in that power reserved her a spot in the Faith Hall of Fame, and not only that, but placed her in the lineage of Jesus Christ. What Rahab did, the Bible says, she did by faith in a God she didn't even know, but heard stories about him. What she do? She believed the stories. I didn't know God. Somebody told me a story about him, 
And thank God I believed it. If I wouldn't have believed it, I would have been judged with the rest of Rahab's society. So she heard that there was a great army of Hebrews, the Israelites, who were being led by a God by the name of Jehovah Yahweh. And he's going through the land, destroying every kingdom in their path. He's giving them victory after victory after victory. And she knew that because her whole country was filled with fear because of what they heard about this massive army. The Bible says the hearts of the kings of the Amorites and the kings of the Canaanites, which included Rahab's king, melted with fear, and neither was their spirit found in them anymore because of the children of Israel. In other words, they lost heart. They lost their spirit to fight because of fear. That's what fear does to you. That's why there's 360-something fear knots in the Bible because uh, fear will cause your heart to melt and your spirit to be not found in you anymore. Joshua sends two spies into Jericho, and they somehow wind up at the harlot's house. I used to joke about this. I thought, mm-hmm. He sends two spies into Jericho to do the, the Lord's business, and the first place they go is to the house of ill repute. But we shouldn't judge, because it probably was the best thing for them to do. Maybe it was because they wouldn't arouse suspicion of their presence in the city. Uh, after all, it was pretty common for foreigners when they come to visit that city, the first place they went was to the house of ill repute. And maybe it was because the Holy Ghost led them that way because he wanted, but because God wanted to use Rahab. Yeah. Maybe God had already seen Rahab's heart and he thought, there's somebody I could use. I know she has an ugly past. I know she's a harlot. I know she's a madam of a house of ill repute, but I think I can use her. Was he right? She's in the Faith Hall of Fame, isn't she? So when the king of Jericho heard that there were spies in the land, these things have a way of getting out. He sent men to look for them, and <laughs> they wind up at Rahab's house. I don't know if they, it might not have started out that they were looking for him there, but they wound up looking for him there. I don't know. But Rahab risked her life and her family's life and hid the spies under stalks of flax, like corn stalks or something, that she had laying upon her roof. Uh, and the Bible says in order. So I don't know what the purpose of them was. Maybe it's like protecting the, the roof or whatever, but. She had them laying up there, and she hides them underneath these stalks of flax. And then, uh, while they're hiding, she manages to deceive these spy, uh, the, the men that's looking for the spies and sends them off on a rabbit trail in another direction. Said, hurry, and you could overtake them. They went this way. So before the Hebrew spies leave, she says something to them. We find it in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. She says, I know, not I think, I know that the Lord, and that word Lord is in all capital letters, so it means Jehovah Yahweh, 
hath given you the land, that's one of the most powerful creative names of God, Jehovah Yahweh, has given you the land. And she didn't say, I heard that he gave you the land. She said, I know he's given you the land. And your terror is falling upon us. Now, they weren't terrorists, but people were terrified of what God was doing. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. That's the problem with this country. There's no fear of God anymore. People don't fear God. They fear a terrorist, but they don't fear God. Verse 10, for we have heard. Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word. She heard. The woman with the issue of blood heard. All through the Bible, people heard about God and the things that God was doing. And faith came. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan. This is their neighbors on the other side of Jordan. Now Israel's on the, the side of Jordan and getting ready to cross over to their side. And uh, whom you utterly destroyed. Utterly means wiped them out. Men, women, children, just wiped them out. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, Jehovah Yahweh, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. She declared that. She made that statement. She didn't say, I heard he was the God of everything. She said, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. So Rahab heard the same news everyone in town heard. Uh, uh, she heard of the supernatural acts of God and, and the people of Israel. And it caused fear to fill the hearts of all the inhabitants of the land. But not her. Faith is filling her heart. Why? Because she believed the things she heard. And that's what's amazing about it uh, is she was being filled with faith while everybody else was being filled with terror and their hearts were melting and they were full of fear. And what does God do for someone that's filled with faith and believes that he is? She said that he's a God of heaven and of the earth, believes that he is. And what, what happens when she seeks him? She's she seeks him diligently. She's rewarded. Now, she may not have known that. She's about to find out, though. But we also know that without faith, it's impossible to please him. She might not have known about that either. But Rahab made a choice, and this is where, this is where it is, is in the choices we make. She made a choice to believe God. Apparently, nobody else did. God would have saved anybody that had faith. He saved Noah and his family, eight people. But the doors of the ark was open the whole time that he was building it, and Noah was preaching and inviting them in. They made a choice. And then they're knocking on the door, and the rain is coming, and the floods are rising, and they're treading water. And they're not, it's too late. Judgment came. See, that's what's important about this. You have got to do something before judgment falls. 
Not when it falls, not after it falls. It's too late. The door is closed. The door is closed on the Israelites' house. Nobody's coming out. And they ain't letting nobody in because they don't know who to trust. When's the best time to make a choice? Before judgment. That's what she did. And based upon that belief of hers that he was the God of heaven and all the earth, based upon that belief, her faith spoke to those two spies. I remember when I made a choice to believe God. I, I, you know, people face choices every day, but that's the most important choice that anyone could ever make is to choose God. There is no salvation in any other name except the name of Jesus. You can choose. I'm not going to name gods. I'm not going to down anybody's religion or denomination. But you can make some bad choices. But I'm telling you now, if you don't choose Jesus Christ, you will bust hell wide open. You'll be in hell someday with the devil, the antichrist, and a ticked off false prophet. You'll be there. Because he's the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way. But anyway, I remember when I made a choice to believe God. I got saved, I got delivered, I prospered, my life changed forever, for the better. I'll never forget that day. Why? Because I made a choice. And you know what? There were other people, this was up in a, in a cafeteria at UPS, a break room, with a couple coffee machines and a candy machine and a cupcake machine. And there were people sitting all around, and this little Baptist preacher from Hiles Anderson College got up and started preaching. And out of all the people in there, I'm the only one that took a knee. I felt the conviction. I know they felt the conviction. But I was the only one that made a choice to accept Jesus that day. And this is after being in the Catholic religion for you. Shouldn't have said that. This is, erase that. This is after being in a denominational religion for over 30 years. I found Jesus that night. He didn't find me. He knew where I was at. I found him for the first time. And I made a choice. I made the best choice that I ever made in my life. Hasn't been the same then. I believe that God existed and that he was a rewarder of those that seek him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it diligently seeking him. I just, I was seeking him. That's why I took that knee. And I said what they call the sinner's prayer and got truly born again that night. Yes. Joshua chapter 2, verse 12. This is Rahab talking to the spies now. She said, all right, I saved your behinds, now you save mine. Paraphrase God didn't say that. Joshua 2.12. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, Jehovah Yahweh, since I have showed you kindness, saved your backside, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house. Why didn't she say unto me? Well, she's going to get the father's house saved because she's part of it. So she says, uh, show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. A sign. Give me something that will prove you'll, you'll be good for your word. 
Verse 13, and that ye shall save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all they have and deliver our lives from death. Everyone that I know and love, I want you to save them. And everything they own, their clothes, their furniture, their cattle, their children, their grandchildren, their great grand everything. I want them all saved, the whole family. So Rahab asked for the lives of her father, mother, brother, sister, and all that. And she wanted all their possessions preserved too. In other words, she wanted them all saved and everything they own. Is there a mother in this room or out there in the street that doesn't want all her children saved and everything that they own? If there is, she's a wrong mother. She's something wrong with her. She's not right. Every mother should want the best for their family, for their children. Every mother should want them saved. Every, one of them, every mother should want their possessions protected and saved. I don't know any mother that sits around and says, well, I hope they all go to hell, and I hope that their house burns down and they wreck their car. Who? What mother says that? None that I know. So it's a good thing she didn't talk to some people that I know because they would have talked her out of such a wild idea like that. You better be glad to get your own butt saved, brother. And here you are asking for everybody to be saved, and you're crazy. And they'd give her a million reasons why God won't do it. You know anybody like that? It's like you tell someone your dreams or visions or the goals that you have for life and the things that you want to accomplish. And they start giving you a million reasons why it won't work. You're too old. You're too young. You're too stupid. <laughs> you're too this. You're too that. They'll give you a million reasons why something won't work for you. They'll give you a million reasons why you can never fulfill that vision or dream you have. And you'll walk away from there, sometimes believing them and never fulfilling your dream. You let your dream die right there. See, you can never convince most people with your ideas and hopes and dreams of accomplishing something. Uh, you're not, they're not going to be happy for you. You got to be careful who you share your dreams with. Look what happened to Joseph. He got thrown in a pit, beat up, thrown in a pit, and sold as a slave to Egypt because he shared his dream with his jealous brothers. Don't share your dreams or visions with anybody that God doesn't tell you to. Same scenario. I mean, uh, just like it was for the Hebrew children 40 years earlier when God came through with the death, death angel and they put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and lentils of their heart, uh, of their houses because judgment was coming to the land. Same scenario. Judgment's coming to Jericho and coming to the promised land because of the sins of their fathers and their forefathers. The spies didn't have time to kill a lamb and paint the doorposts and lentils of her house and, and have a ceremony. They're running for their lives. So they gave Rahab a different token. I mean, that, that blood on the, uh, uh, of the lamb over the doorposts and lentils of Israel's houses in Egypt, that was a token. So they gave Rahab a different token, but it was just as effective. This time, 
a scarlet cord would do for Rahab what the actual blood of a lamb did for the children of Israel in Egypt. That scarlet line, that scarlet rope, a red rope, would represent the blood of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah. That's what that blood represented. That, that's why uh, in Israel they called it a token because it wasn't the actual blood of the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, but it was a token for that blood. It was a sign for that blood. It pointed to that blood, and the devil had to honor it. Yeah. Same with Rahab. It's a token of the blood of the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world because he hadn't been slain yet. It was a token, a sign. Joshua 2, 18 through 21 says, Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Uh, she let him out a window down the, the side of the wall to escape. He said, the same window you put this scarlet cord. And, lit, uh, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, unless you do that, and then they said in verse 19, So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. Hmm. Same as Egypt. They had to stay in the house. Verse 21, Then she said, According to your words, so be it. That's submission. What's that mean? That means she believed him. And if she didn't believe him, she still submitted to him. Mary, the, the, uh, the mother of Jesus, said the same thing. When Gabriel told her, you know, uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, and blah, 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 blah. She says, I don't get it. I don't understand it. How am I going to have a baby without being with a man? But uh, according to thy words, so be it unto me. She didn't understand it. She couldn't have had faith in it, so she said, but... According to your words, so be it unto me. And sometimes when we don't understand something, that's exactly what we need to say. Say, Lord, I see it here in your word, but I don't understand how it's going to work in this situation. I don't know how it's going to work for me, but according to thy word, so be it unto me. I submit to you. Do what you want. So Israel executed Wait a minute, uh, let me finish verse 21. And then it says, She sent them away and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. That was her token. That scarlet cord pointed to the blood of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It was a sign of that blood. It was just as powerful as that blood. It was a future promise that God made, and so they, it became just as powerful as if it had already been shed. So Israel executes God's plan to the utter destruction of Jericho. For six days, Jericho's trembling residents watched a strange processional. In other words, uh, the Ark of the Presence, the Ark of the Covenant, all the priests blowing trumpets, and the hosts of Israel compassed their city walls once every day for six days. And these people are seeing it. And they're not saying a word. All they're hearing is the horns, the priests blowing the horns. 
Not a word was spoken by Israel. Yet on the seventh day, Israel can pass the city seven times. Once a day for six days, on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. That's a big city. That probably took all day. Those people were wore out. We did a Jericho march in here. We just marched around the chairs a couple times. That was a long time ago. Maybe we're, we're about due for another Jericho march. We all got walls in our lives that need to fall. Amen? So for six days, they walk around. And then on the seventh day, they walk around it seven times. At the seventh time, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Wall is still up. Sometimes we got to shout before the walls come down. It's easy to shout after they come down. Sometimes we need to shout first, then the walls come down. Amen? So in Joshua 6, 20 through 25, it says, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. Flat. Flat as a fritter. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They didn't have to walk around no rubble. They didn't have to walk anywhere to find an opening. Every man went in the opening that was in front of them, the flat wall that was in front of them. And they utter, utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Wiped them out. Now one guy took some spoil. What was his name, Pastor? Achan. Achan, Achan took some spoil and it caused Israel a lot of trouble because he brought sin into the camp. That's a story for another day, but Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, he says, all right, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as you swear unto her. All that she hath, where? In the house. If it ain't in the house, they're not responsible for it. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab. Now here, let me take a little side journey here. The wall fell flat. Now I don't know if Rahab, that section that was holding up Rahab's house was still there or the house just floated down without crumbling. I don't know. But the house that was on the wall was still there. That was the only part of the wall that was spared. I mean, if it would have fell with the rest of the wall and crumbled, they'd all be dead that was in the house. God protected that house and everything and everyone in that house. So they brought, it says that they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred. That's a Kentucky word, isn't it, kindred? And left them without the camp of Israel. Took them outside the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron. They put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Yahweh, or Jehovah Yahweh. He had a treasury. 
They took all of that and put it in the treasury because God's going to build an expensive tent in a little while. <clears throat> and Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household. That word kindred actually means families. Her father's household and all that she had and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, the time uh, uh, of the writing of this, because she hid the messengers with which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. That's what got her into the Faith Hall of Fame. So when the word of God is repetitive, it's repetitive for a reason. If God says something more than once, he's saying it for a reason. There's definitely something that he wants us to understand. There's a point that he's trying to make. So over and over, the Bible emphasizes the saving of Rahab's household, her loved ones, her kindred. And the word translated, like I said, kindred in verse 23 is the word Hebrew word for family. So he saved her families, plural. It indicated that the extended families that were related to Rahab were saved. It doesn't mean it happens automatically, though. It means that we're to pray for our families to be saved. And what good parent wouldn't do that for their family to be saved? If you believe heaven is real and hell is just as real, you'll be praying for your family to be saved. Even the crazy brother-in-law that you don't like, you'll pray for him too. It doesn't happen automatically. We pray for him, and we should pray for him by name. Father, mother, brother, sisters. Now, before I say what I'm about to say, I want you to understand that even though we pray for them to be saved, they still have a part to play. The Apostle Paul said plainly in the latter part of Philippians 2.12 that everyone, everyone must work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. There's not enough fear and trembling in our households. And it needs to be fear and trembling in the parents first. Now, sometimes, I, I'll tell you, there was times I put the fear of God in my children. And sometimes that's what we got to do. But in other words, no one gets saved or go to heaven just because you prayed for them. I don't care how powerful your prayers are. I don't care how much of a prayer warrior you are. Nobody goes to heaven just because you prayed for him or her. But when you pray for them, they are marked for the gospel. When you pray for them, then God will do everything in his power to get them to make the right decision, make the right choice. They have to accept Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior, and they have to do it for themselves. It has to be their choice. But I will say this, uh, when you pray for a lost loved one, God goes out of his way. He raises up opportunities for them to accept Jesus. Now, I know somebody was praying for me, and God orchestrated that meeting I had in that UPS break room on that night in August uh, on the second floor of that break room. I know somebody was praying for me because God orchestrated that meeting 
had me in the right place at the right time and had that Baptist preacher boy in the right place at the right time. That's what God will do. And if I didn't make the choice that night, he would have set me up for another night and another night and another night. He'll send laborers across their path. He'll convict their hearts. He'll come to them in the midnight hour and wrestle them till morning, just like he did Jacob. And he said, I got to go. Jacob said, you ain't going until you bless me. And God blessed him, changed his name to Israel. He became the patriarch of the 12 tribes of Israel. But God touched him in the hollow of his thigh, and he walked with a limp the rest of his life. Let me just put it this way. The night God touched me, I didn't walk away with a limp, but I walked away with a different walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But again, they have to yield themselves to Jesus. They have to make the choice to accept his finished work before they're saved. So a lot of people say, I've been praying for my son for years. He's just as wild as he's ever been. That doesn't mean God hasn't been working with him. Get that negative stuff out of your head and start believing God. But the spies made it clear to Rahab that she must get all of her family into the house in order for her to be able, and in order for her to be able to do that, her family members had to be willing to come into the house. I had a stubborn father. If I would have tried to get him into the house, he said, ain't nothing wrong with my house. I know a couple people like that, some of them in this church. I don't need to go in their house. I just stay in my house. I don't have to go to church. I can have church right here in my house. Good Lord, I'm running over. I gotta get busy here. <laughs> gotta get him in the house somehow. But we've seen that example with the Passover in Egypt. The Lord's instructions were clear to the Israelites. He said, get him in the house and keep him there. So we also have another example in the book of Acts when Paul's being taken to Rome to stand before Caesar and the ship was about to sink. It was beat up in storms for days and days and they were ready to sink. Paul's praying and fasting and Jesus appears to him and says, Fear not, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. I don't care if the ship does wreck. Don't change my word. It doesn't change what we told you you had to do. And then he says, and lo, I don't know who this guy lo is, but he's mentioned a couple times in the Bible. He says, and lo, God hath given thee all them that, that sail with thee. But he also warned him, except these abide in the ship that cannot be saved. There's some importance to staying in the house, staying in the ship. You get out there on your own and you fodder for the devil. What's my point? Well, if the faith of a Canaanite prostitute can protect her family and everything that they own, her father, mother, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, and everything that they own, their cattle, their furniture, and everything else, how much more for a New Testament believer? How much more for a New Testament believer that has a token of the blood of the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, not future tense, but past tense, we, they had a token of a future sacrifice. We have a token of the sacrifice. Yes. How much more can we do with that blood, with that token? Yes. 
Hebrews 8, 6 says, He hath, he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises, and is a better covenant because it's established and based upon better blood. It's not the blood of a bull, a goat, or a lamb. It's the blood of God's only son. If we can't draw a bloodline around our loved ones and our property in the hour we're living in and the judgment that's coming upon this earth, then nobody can. And if we can't do it, then we don't have a better covenant. The Bible calls the blood upon the doorposts of the Israelites that first passed over in Egypt a token. It calls Rahab's scarlet cord that she hung out of the window a token. These tokens need to be displayed. If God didn't see the token on the doorposts and lentils of Israel's house, the destroyer was allowed in. If he didn't see that scarlet cord hanging from Rahab's window, the destroyer would have been allowed in. And how reliable is a token? The rainbow is a token. And God has probably displayed that rainbow for since the flood. And that rainbow, that token, represents uh, the promise that God made that he'd never destroy the earth again with, with a flood. Every time we see a rainbow, we see a token of that promise. That rainbow ain't there for a select group of people. That's God's rainbow. Those colors belong to God. He's the one that made those colors, created those colors. That, 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 that rainbow is for us. And when we see it, it reminds us that the earth was once destroyed by a flood, but it will never be destroyed by a flood again. That's our rainbow. Hallelujah. But we're to continually display the token of the blood of Jesus and its powers over the doorposts and lentils of our hearts and of our lives. I've been wanting to say that all day. You might probably heard me slipping up a couple times. We need to display that token of the blood uh, on everything that belongs to us. We need to display that token of the blood and establish the boundaries for our life and the boundaries for the enemy. God established boundaries when he created or recreated the earth and he spoke to the oceans and he says, you'll go this far and that far and no further. And they obeyed. We need to draw a bloodline and tell the devil, you'll go this far and this far and no further. You're not coming into my house. You're not coming in amongst my family. You're not touching my belongings, nothing. But we have to draw that bloodline and we have to draw it by faith. How? By the words of our mouth and what we believe in our hearts. I believe the power in the token of that blood. I don't have the actual blood of the lamb, but I got a token. And I can take that token out and present it anytime I want to, anywhere I want to. And I can take that token and draw me a bloodline around anything that I want to. And keep the enemy out of my life. Now, I'm not saying you'll never have a trial. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but we haven't been redeemed from the curse of the fall. We live in a fallen world, and things happen, and bad things happen to good people. And, and faith may not prevent these things from happening, but faith will get you through them. Yes, 
Amen? Amen? As long as your attitude is right. As long as you don't believe everybody that comes to you and tells you why you can't uh, be cured of cancer or tell you why you can't do this or you can't do that. Shut them out. Don't listen to them. Uh, when this first started, we were very select on who we told and who we wanted to know about. And there's a reason for that. And, and it's not so much the people we told, it's uh, the people that they might have told. We didn't want to get fear, doubt, and unbelief mixed in all this stuff. Amen? Amen? And that night that we had, I sat right here in this chair, and, and uh, our Wednesday night group laid hands on me and, and was led in prayer. And Brother Daryl and Brother Kevin had a word for me. That was my turning point right there that night. I claim that scripture, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I begin to recover that very night. I believe in these things. Why? A bloodline was drawn around me. So we should draw a bloodline around the entrance to our home to keep the destroyer out. A bloodline around our loved ones. Our finances, our jobs, our cars, our houses, our property. Anything that you hold dear to your heart, you should draw a bloodline by faith. Yes. Got to have faith. But if you draw that bloodline by faith, well, if God ever wrote another Bible, you'd be in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Because I know God would reward you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I ran way over can't even say Shannon ran late on praise and worship today. This is my fault. I think it was worth it, though. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you, Father, for the token we have. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, the redeemer of our lives and of our souls, Lord. Thank you that you allowed that blood to be shed for our redemption, that you allowed that blood to be shed for our salvation, for our deliverance, for our protection Lord that blood is powerful and I've said it a, a lot of times I was going to tell a lie and say I said it a million times which has been a lie but I said it a lot of times that one drop of that precious blood of Jesus Christ could save an entire universe and you shed it all for us that token represents all of your blood being shed on Calvary you poured your, your soul out unto death on Calvary, and you did it for us. We don't take that blood lightly. That blood is powerful. And, Lord, we're going to start drawing bloodlines around the things that are dear to us, the things that we esteem highly, the things that we want you to save, and the things that we want you to protect. And, God, we believe that bloodline works today just like it did for the Israelites in Egypt, just like it did for Rahab the harlot. And we believe it will work today for us. It hasn't lost its power. Thank you for the blood, for the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We give you glory and honor and praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. I hope you learned something today. I hope you got a hold of this. You know, some things can be taught and some, some things need to be caught. This is something you have to catch.
I can teach you till I'm blue in the face. Unless you catch it and get a hold of it and start using it, it's not going to help you. You got to believe in the power of the blood. Amen? There's power in the blood. Like I said before, 1 John 1 7 tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Past, present, and the sin that you haven't even thought about yet has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Doesn't mean you could do it, but it's already cleansed. That's how powerful that blood is. Amen? God bless you. I love you. We'll see you Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.